Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. We're glad that you're here. Those of you who are in the room, those of you joining us online, we're glad to have you with us. We like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Thank you. We believe that's true, that the Lord meets us here uh, or wherever we are as we worship him. So let's bow our heads and pray for a moment before we begin. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to, to pause all the other activity in our lives and to take an hour to just focus our hearts and our thoughts on you. Whether we're here in the room, gathered together, whether we're connecting online, God, we are grateful that you meet us right where we live, that you invite us to bring all that we are into this time, into this encounter with you. And so we pray, God, that, uh, that maybe through the songs that we sing or the prayers that we pray, or maybe as we listen for your spirit speaking through the scriptures, or as we gather at the table of our Lord Jesus, that at some point in this service, God, we would like to, to connect with you, the God who made us, the God who invites us to bring all that we are, the good, the bad, the ugly, to bring it all to you so that your grace can transform our lives. Thank you, God. Thank you for welcoming us into your presence today. We offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, if you're here in the room, uh, we've, got a well, we've got a special treat. I was going to say, if you're here in the room, we can stand and, and, and all of that as we sing. But uh, these guys haven't been up here in a while because this one moved off to North Carolina and got married and stuff. And uh, so she, uh, she's in town for a nephew's fifth birthday party, right? Yeah, and meeting my newest nephew. And meeting her newest nephew. That's right. You haven't met him. Okay. So uh, let's stand and let's sing. Good morning. I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God that's never late is working all things out. He's working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. joy when my heart is heavy oh. 
nothing can stand against and I choose to praise to glorify glorify the name of all names nothing can stand against oh yes I will lift you high in the lowest valley yes I will bless your name
our theme for today between Pete and I, where we were choosing our favorite songs to do, since we don't get to do this often, uh, this next one is probably our favorite. Probably. I'm going to say, yeah. yeah. Down, lie, you won't tear down coming after me. 
the faithful love of the Lord never, never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Pray with me, will you? Lord, we thank you for that overwhelming love that you lavish on us, Lord, every day. Lord, those days that we mess up, those days that we just feel so defeated, Lord, the next morning, your mercies are brand new. It's a new day with a new opportunity to be and do more and more like you. I thank you, Father, that each and every day is a new day with you. I thank you for this morning, for the people that are gathered here together, for those that are joining us online. Lord, may this time together be a blessing, a blessing to each other as well as a blessing to you, Lord. Lord, we've come here this morning, some with frustrations, some with problems and burdens, Lord, some with victories and, and excitement. We've seen people that we haven't seen for a while or we've celebrated something that has had to be put off. But Father, we thank you for each and every circumstance and we bring every one of them to you, thanking you, Father, in the midst of all of it. Now be with the rest of our time here this morning, Lord. May everything that's said and done, first of all, honor and glorify you. And may the word that you have given Pastor Rich this morning, May, be it, may it be just exactly the word that each of us needs for different reasons and different circumstances, Lord, but your living word is more than capable of being exactly what we need. May we listen with open ears and open hearts to hear from you. And we pray all of these things in your precious, holy and mighty name. Amen. You are, the peace of the Lord be with you. you I miss one Sunday and see what happens. <laughs> You are more than welcome to mingle and say hello and greet each other for a couple of minutes. And in the meantime, Pastor Rich is going to come up. And when we're all done greeting each other, he's got some things to share. All right. This is a beautiful part of the service as you guys greet each other. And uh, it's made uh, all the sweeter by the fact that we couldn't do this for like, you know, a couple of years. Felt like we had to keep a little more distance and all of that. But uh, with enough of us vaccinated and enough folks that have had it, I guess, that we're, uh, we're, we're starting to be able to let up just a little bit. I still trust that if you're sick, you're not going to show up on a Sunday, that you're going to watch online, that you're not going to come and sneeze in your hand and shake everybody's hand, okay? So if you're sick, please uh, stay home. And, and if you want to wear a mask, you're welcome to wear a mask. That's fine. And uh, if you do, then people are probably, that'll be a nice little cue to people to like, okay, I'll greet you from here. You know, I'm not going to go up and hug you or something like that. So um, we're doing our best to be respectful of everybody wherever. We know we're all in kind of different places with this whole thing right now. So um, my name is Pastor Rich. Uh, welcome. If I haven't met you, uh, I was gone the last two Sundays. We were on vacation. It was a, a beautiful time away getting to drive out to uh, North Carolina and stopping some places on the way there and on the way back. And uh, it, was, it was good to, to get away for a week, and, uh, which meant I missed you for the Sundays on both ends. But uh, I, was I was able to join you online and to hear Pastor Judy preach and to hear my dad preach last week. It was a good thing. 
Um, but you know what I didn't do? I didn't fill out the little online uh, connect card. I should have done that. I should have made sure that worked. But, uh, so if you're in the room or if you're watching online, you can go to livinghope.info connect and let us know you're with us. If you have a way that we could be praying for you or thanking God with you, that's a good way to let us know. Or if you just have questions or feedback or anything of the sort, uh, that's a good place to give that to us. Or uh, there are some little green cards in the back that if you're in the room, you can just grab one of those and jot your note on it. And if you do, I hope you'll give me a phone number or an email or some way to get a hold of you so that I can follow up with you and answer your question or, or uh, you know, find out better how I can pray for whatever it is that you mentioned. Uh, and just put that in the little box back there. There's an offering box. And if you're giving today, you can drop it in there as well. Or you can go uh, online. You can, give, you can give there too. Um, I did want to mention real quick, you can still give to the Ukraine situation. I think, we've, yeah, through Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, you know, there are lots of different ways you can give to help the folks in Ukraine. We're part of the Church of the Nazarene, which means we're connected with churches around the world, including people right there in Ukraine. We've got Nazarene churches in Kiev and, and at, well, quite a few there in Ukraine. So if you want to give through Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, they can funnel the money quickly to the people who are already there and in the bordering countries, helping people as they're escaping the violence there. Uh, you can just go to ncm.org Ukraine and, and give right there. Um, speaking of, like ways that we can help through this Nazarene network. Uh, one thing we've been challenged to do, we're part of the Northwest Indiana District, and we've been challenged to see if our district, all the, the 40 churches or so that are part of us here, uh, if we could put together, is it 100 boxes, I think, of uh, crisis care kits? And uh, each crisis care kit's got uh, a bunch of stuff in it. I don't remember. Do you, yeah. do you want to come tell them what goes in a crisis care kit real quick? All right, you, you know better than I do. Pastor Judy uh, has been doing this for longer than I have when it comes to these crisis care kit things. They're kind of new to me. So, yeah, tell folks what sure, goes in these things. Sure. Well, each crisis care kit is a two-gallon Ziploc bag that contains um, two hand towels, a bottle of shampoo, a tube of toothpaste, three toothbrushes, a comb, a nail clipper, a bar, three bars of soap. I know, I'm looking at you. Three bars of soap. Um, and I believe a little Beanie Baby toy. Now I did the math, I went to dollartree.com, and I did the math and kind of what it would cost to do each kit, to put it together, and it's just about $20 per kit. So it would be like per person. And what we do is we gather those kits together, we, we put them together, we gather them up, and we send six kits in a banana box. I know that sounds really funny, but we go to the grocery stores, we ask them for the banana boxes because Banana boxes are uni unified, like they just, they all are the same size and same weight and all of that, regardless of where you get them across the country. And so we were able to store and ship them much easier because they're all the same size. And so what we're doing as a district, Pastor Rich had mentioned that we're trying to gather, our goal is to gather 100 boxes district-wide by May 2nd, which is our district assembly. At that time, we have a gentleman from the district who is going to drive them to Pennsylvania to our distribution center. And from there, they'll be deployed wherever they're needed, whether it's in Ukraine or in another place um, that's supporting their refugees or even another place where there might be a natural disaster later. So they'll be stored and deployed as they're needed. So I think that's about it. Yeah, thanks.
Yeah, I knew, I knew you knew what goes in them, and I didn't. I was like, it's a bunch of stuff people need if, like, their house burns down or it's flooded or, you know, those kinds of things that happen. Uh, so what we're inviting you to do, if you want, uh, you can, we don't want you to go out and buy all that stuff because it's got to be, they've got very, very specific about the sizes and the amounts and all that. If you want to help with that, there's two things you can do. You can give to help buy the stuff. Um, and if you go to our livinghope.info slash give, you can do the little drop down and hit the missions thing. For the next couple of weeks, if you give to missions, we're going to know that you're just, you're meaning to give to help uh, with these crisis care kits, all right? And, uh, and then we can use that money to go buy all the stuff. And then the Sunday after Easter, which is three weeks from now, the 24th, in between the services, we're just going to have them all, all the stuff set up and you can help assemble them, all right? So, we'll, you know, as the bag makes its way down the line, you can, you know, stick your thing in it or whatever, and then somebody will put it in the box at the end. And so if you want to stick around that day, if you're here at 9, if you come for the 1030 service, you've got to come early that Sunday, and, uh, and we'll put those things together. All right, so you can either give money for it, and you can do it online by giving to the missions thing, or you can, you can if you give something here and you make out a check to Living Hope, you put some money in an envelope, just write crisis care kits or missions or anything like that when you put it in the box, and we'll know that's what it's for, and then we'll buy however much we can buy with it, and we'll assemble those kits. So if for some reason you guys go nuts and you, like, give us way too much money than we can do, uh, we'll find a way that that goes to missions, all right? If it's like, oh man, we can't put together 100 boxes ourselves, but somebody dropped this much money in the box, you know, then we'll figure out a way to make sure that goes to missions. It might not all go to crisis care kits if you give us way too much money, all right? Um, sometimes you guys are like way overly generous in that way. So um, anyway, I wanted you to know that's an opportunity that you have to, to help some folks. And then uh, another thing you can do, um, there are a lot of things right now, like right, this is the season for doing good. Um, you, can, uh, you can sign up to walk or run or stroll or skip or whatever you want to do in the Valpo 6K, um, the, the Global 6K for Water with World Vision. We do that every year. It's May 21st this year. We do it right across the street at Old Fairgrounds Park. But right now is a great time to sign up because there's like promo code with $15 off. Uh, which might be, I don't know, they, they from time to time have donors that give money to say, hey, let's try to get some more people signed up. We'll pay $15 of everybody's registration. So they're doing that through the 10th, and there's a promo code on the back of this or on the screen that's uh, for World Water Day uh, this year. So through April 10th, that's next Sunday. So you got this week if you want to sign up, and I would love to see us all sign up. Even if you're not going to go and walk with us that day, we'd love to have you sign up because that registration provides clean water for the child whose face and name they will put on your race bib. It's not a race. We're not timing anything. Um, unless you just want to race somebody else and you decide to do it yourself out there, but we're not timing anything. All right? But, uh, man, it has been so meaningful for us, for our kids uh, over the years to see, like, you see that child's face? That kid's going to get clean water because of you. And so if you want to make a difference to some, some kids who uh, really need that, um, please sign up at Valpo6k.com. All right, I'm just going to mention two other things. You might have seen a big box out in the hallway on your way in. That's uh, a thing that two men in a truck here in town are doing in coordination with the Caring Place, Movers for Moms. And uh, there's a list of stuff that the Caring Place needs for the moms who they care for who are escaping from um, domestic violence. You can grab one of these out there if you want. Drop it in the box anytime between now and the Sunday before Mother's Day because before Mother's Day, they're going to take that box and take it over to the Caring Place. You can do that. That's just there for you. And if you want to come and be a part of the Unity Cafe, there are some flyers out there. You can grab one of those, and you can show up here on Wednesday or Friday uh, to be a part of that. If you have questions about that, ask Sam. She, she said a little something about it last week and uh, would be happy to tell you more. There are other things going on like, you know, Palm Sunday and Easter and, and a bike giveaway and other things, but we don't have time. All right. So it's good to be back. Um, 
We are making our way, we've been making our way through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 together. And it's kind of a funny thing. Um, you know, if you've got one of those little books, and I think there's like two of them left out there maybe, uh, then every day you're kind of gradually making your way through this teaching of Jesus as he's instructing his disciples on what it looks like to, to live in this world as a follower of his. Uh, but if you're just showing up on Sundays, if you're not doing any of that other reading, then you know that like last week we finished chapter 5, and it's Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And, uh, and this past week we read chapter 6, and today we're starting chapter 7, and next Sunday is going to be Palm Sunday. We're not talking about the Sermon on the Mount next Sunday. We're going to talk about Palm Sunday and Jesus entered Jerusalem and the waving the palm branches and yeehaw, all that, right? So this is like the last hurrah for the Sermon on the Mount on Sundays. So I've got all of chapter 6 and all of chapter 7. Buckle your seatbelt. We're going to, no, I'm not going to try to cover all that. Don't worry. All right. Some of you, I know you looked at this and you thought, oh my goodness, how's he getting through all of that in the next 20 minutes? It's not going to happen. Uh, don't sweat, all right? And we're not going to try to cover two whole chapters of Scripture and all that Jesus said and taught. Uh, but we are going to look at what might be your favorite passage of Scripture right here in Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 1, where Jesus says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I know this is a favorite uh, among all kinds of folks. It's, it might be a favorite for some of your friends who aren't Christians, and this is one of the only verses they know in the Bible, right? Uh, because they've come across a Christian that seems kind of judgmental, and they've said, wait, 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 didn't Jesus say don't judge? And you're like, well, yeah, yeah, that's what he said in Matthew chapter 7 right here. We're looking at that today, okay? Then he continues to, to talk about what this looks like. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This, sadly, is one of, if, as they have surveyed people who don't go to church, who do not consider themselves Christian. Maybe they have left church. Maybe they've been hurt by church. Maybe they just never made their way to church. But they have an impression of you. You showed up here on a Sunday, all right? They have an impression of who you are. And one of the words that they use to describe you and me is, uh, is hypocritical, <laughs> all right? Hypocritical is one of the words out of a big, long list of words. One of the words they chose for us is, yeah, those Christians, they tend to be pretty hypocritical which means we're really good at seeing other people's problems and really bad at seeing our own. This is kind of normal, though, I think, right? I mean, this is normal human behavior. It's pretty easy for us to see other people's issues, and it's pretty tough for us to see our own issues, right? I mean, there's a certain amount of it just comes from the way we live in the world. Like, I have no idea what I look like right now. I haven't looked in a mirror for a couple hours. Uh, so I don't know as I you know, shook one of your hands, or if my, as I hugged my boys earlier, they might have left a big jelly print on the, my back, you know, or something. I wouldn't know it. Uh, they might have, one of my hairs might be sticking out sideways. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know, um, because I, I can't see myself, but I can see all of you, right? And we tend to kind of do that in our lives. We can see other people's issues and not see our own. We, we, when somebody else does something that we don't like, it's real easy for us to assume the worst, Right To assume, well, they did that because they were a jerk, because they don't like me, because they're angry with me, because you know, we come up with all kinds of motives for why they just did what they did. But when we do something other people don't like, 
Well, we know what our motives were, right? We know that like, well, I'm just tired. You know, I just didn't get enough sleep. I'm just a little grouchy. I'm just, you know, whatever it is. Oh, I just didn't see him. You know, oh, I wasn't, I wasn't angry with you. I just didn't see you. I'm sorry. You know, we know our motivations, but we don't know theirs. And we have this tendency to make judgment calls about other people and their motivations and why they did what they did. And for whatever reason, human nature, I guess, we have this tendency to assume the worst, to assume that they're being a jerk, to assume that they don't like us, to assume whatever. Jesus is, uh, is encouraging us today to look in the mirror, all right, to check ourselves before we go wrecking anyone else. That's not how the song goes. Anyway, uh, he's encouraging us to realize that sometimes we've got a big old, and he used this ridiculous image, right? Uh, have any, any of you ever got a piece of sawdust in your eye? Can I just, quick show of hands, you got a piece of sawdust in your eye at some point. Yeah, man, that little tiny speck, and it hurts like crazy, right? Um, but it's really hard to see, right? If you had somebody look and you're like, oh, I don't see anything in your eye, and then you look, oh, oh, maybe, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Tiny little thing. I would have no idea if you had a speck of sawdust in your eye. And he says, it's so ridiculous. It's like you have a plank in your eye, a board stuck in it. How many of you ever had a board in your eye? I, I can't raise my hand on that one. I've never had a board stuck in my eye, a plank. He's just pointing out the ridiculousness of us putting ourselves in the judge's seat for other people and, and thinking, presuming that, that we are going to be qualified or useful or helpful to, to get that tiny little speck. Like, man, I've been, I've been uh, judging you with this fine-tooth comb, and I found this little issue in your life that, that I think we need to talk about that I think is a problem in your life. And, boy, half the time we say, you say, try saying that to somebody, they're going to say, uh, excuse me, hello, plank, you get this big thing going on in your life, why are you talking to me about this? So Jesus says, you hypocrite, first, take the plank out of your own eye. First, look at yourself. First, realize that you've got some stuff that you need to deal with too. And then, once you've dealt with that, once you've asked God to forgive you of that, once you have gotten the help you need to start to deal with that issue, once you've invited other people to, to give you some honest feedback, like, hey, can you, can you tell me if this is true in my life? I've been feeling like maybe I'm a little bit too you know, judgmental. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm not giving my family the time they deserve. I'm feeling like whatever it might be, and you invite some people to take a look at you. You invite some people, not because they're judging you, but because you need some help to see yourself. Then, once you've kind of dealt with your stuff, then maybe you can be helpful to your brother, to your sister, with the issue that they're dealing with. But, uh, Man, I can't remember now if I read this in, in the book for today or if this was somewhere else I read this, this last week, getting ready for this morning. Um, but they said, you know, it might be, you might find that once you've got that plank out of your eye, you can actually see clearly, and you might realize, you know what, they don't really have an issue at all. They don't have a speck in their eye. That was just, you know, like, my vision was obscured <laughs> by the board stuck in my eye. I was seeing something that wasn't even there. The problem was me. It wasn't them after all. If any of you ever had a, a floater in your eye? A little, I, I don't know when it happened, um, but at some point I realized I thought there was something on my, I don't remember now what it was. It was my computer screen or my windshield. Or I thought there was something somewhere. And then I realized that as, I, as my eye moved, it moved. Like, 
wait a second, what is this? And I'm you know, like trying to chase it down with my eye, and you, you can't do it very well, right? Because it's like, it's attached to your eye, or it's in your eye, whatever this little, so I've got this little thing that I can see it sometimes, I can't see it now, uh, but it's like a little squiggly line. I don't know what it means, I don't know what it is, it's been there for years now, every now and then, I catch it, I catch a glimpse of it, like over there, you know, it's in peripheral vision, and there it is, and then I move, and yep, oh, yep, there it is. There's not a little hair floating around around me. <laughs> it's in me. It's in my eye. And man, sometimes we Christians, we got something we ought to be dealing with. We got a plank stuck in our eye. And as we look around, we're like, oh man, that person's got a problem. Oh man, that person's got a problem. They've got a problem. Oh, maybe the problem was, was me. Now, if I was my dad... Um, I would tell you the story about the guy who, you know, was walked out of his door one day and bumped into somebody at the coffee shop and said, man, you stink. I'm like, oh, excuse me, sorry, you know. And he got to work and saw the person at the door and said, man, you stink. I said, oh, sorry, you know, I didn't, I didn't think I stunk, you know. Went through his whole day, it seemed like everybody he bumped into stunk, just nasty. And it wasn't until somebody finally said, like, well, what's that? On your, on, your, on your face, went, what? And he had a piece of Limburger cheese like stuck to his lip and like, everybody, everybody stank. It was him, the problem was him, right? If I was my dad, I would have told that joke better too. Um, uh, you know what, soon he's supposed to be done at that church he's been filling in at and, uh, and hopefully we can have him here more often and we can laugh more on Sunday mornings because my dad's hilarious. All right, sometimes the problem is me. Sometimes the problem is, is us. And we need to go first, dealing with our stuff, before we even think to go messing with somebody else. If we were to do that, my guess is we Christians would start to gradually lose that, that impression that we've made on the people around us. They wouldn't think of us as hypocrites. They'd think of us as humble. I, I would so much rather be known as humble than a hypocrite. I would rather, when people think of Christians, they don't think, oh, yeah, those are those judgmental folks, always talking about what everybody else is doing wrong. I would much rather they think, oh, man, yeah, I've got a neighbor who's a Christian. He's one of the humblest people I know. He's quick to acknowledge when he messes up. He, is, he's, he listens well. He takes feedback well. I, I would much rather we have that impression and make that impression in our community, on our neighbors, on whoever we might ever talk with about Jesus or anybody else. So Jesus in this he leads into that with the don't judge or you too will be judged. With the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. In Luke's uh, gospel, this is Matthew, in Luke's gospel, he has something similar, uh, but he expands on it. Uh, and the occasion that Luke's recording, he, he says more. He says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. And then he goes to the positive side. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It seems like Jesus is just saying, like, look, you want to live this life? You want, you want to make the world better around you? You want to live a good life here in, with the people that you live around? You go first. You treat other people the way you'd like to be treated. You forgive, and, and guess what? Other people will be more forgiving. You be generous, and you'll find other people being more generous. But if you're a judgy McJudgy pants... And then you're going to find other people judging you too. If you go around condemning everybody, don't be surprised when people start condemning you. The measure you use with others will be measured to you. 
Now, we already know, like, like Jesus tells us to do this, right? Just a few verses earlier in Luke chapter 6, he says, do to others as you would have them do to you. It's the golden rule, right? Do to others what you would have them do to you. And what Jesus is saying in these other verses in Luke and Matthew is that that principle actually works. That when you do to others what you'd like them to do to you, you actually see that coming back to you. When you are a generous, loving person in the world, you find people being generous and loving toward you. When you're judging, judgmental, when you're con- always condemning, then you're going to find people being that way toward you. Do to others as you would have them do to you. You want people to respect you, to listen to you, to not assume the worst about you? Well, then maybe you should start, maybe you should go first by respecting others, listening well, assuming the best about them. If we extend grace to others, maybe grace will be extended to us. To me, this is just a variation on what Jesus said was one of the most important commandments, like central to all of what Jesus taught. And I saw these at the end of uh, of the notes last week. I don't remember if my dad got to it or not, but in Matthew chapter 22, it says the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Which to me sounds a lot like do to others what you'd have them do to you. Love your neighbors as you love yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Everything God expects of us, everything God might command us to do, the, God's picture of what it means to be human in the world, all, you can, you can, it all branches off, it all hangs from these two commands. Love God with all that you are, love your neighbor as yourself. If we want Jesus to teach us, if we want to listen to what Jesus has to say, everything he says is going to, it's going to boil down to some version of these two things. Love God with all that you are, love your neighbor as yourself. And we know that this neighbor, he, he kind of blows that all open, right, to include everybody. Um, we talked about that. I think you've heard that the last two Sundays. In fact, these verses from Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus said, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Amen. He says, we can't just love the people who love us. We've got to love the people who are being a jerk to us. We have to go first. We, if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't wait for other people to love you before you love them. You don't wait for other people to be kind to you before you're kind to them. God has been kind to me, so I can go first in being kind to others. God has forgiven me, so I can go first in extending forgiveness to others. God has been patient and kind with me, so I can go first and be patient and kind with that person who hasn't been very patient and kind with me, and I'd like to change that, so I'm going to go first and extend love, even to this person who's treating me like an enemy. And if we do this, it says, we're like children of our Father in heaven. Because our Father loved us so much. Well, in Romans chapter 5, the Apostle Paul put it this way. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you read the rest of that passage, he says, like, it's a pretty rare thing for somebody to die for even a good person. You know, to be willing to lay their life on the line for, for a good person, for an innocent. Let alone to die for a scoundrel. But that's what Jesus did us god loved us that while we were still shaking our fist at god he said i know i know you hate me right now i know you think you can do this life all on your own but i know you can't and i know that at some point you're going to want to get free of that sin that's got a hold on you and so i'm going to out of love for you i'm going to send jesus 
to, to try to point you toward me, to tell you that it all hinges on love. I'm going to send him to try to point you in the right direction, knowing that you're not going to like that, knowing that this holy one entering into a world full of sin is going to be willing to take the worst that you can throw at him. He's going to be willing to let you put him to death. He loved us so much, he was willing to give his son, Jesus, for us, knowing that in our sinfulness we would kill him, but knowing that his love is more powerful than our sin, knowing that he could conquer sin and death and the devil by raising Jesus from the dead, knowing that the worst that we can do is not more powerful than the best that God can do, right? So out of love for us, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the love that God has demonstrated. He went first. He didn't wait for us to love him before he loved us. In John chapter 3, verse 16, we've all heard this verse before. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. If you've ever felt like, man, I, I don't know if I should show up at church. You know, building might collapse, lightning might strike. You know, I heard, heard some people making those jokes just this last week. You know, oh, I'd come, but I'm going to have to stay in the back because so, you know, so the building starts to collapse, I can get out. You know, because... That's what's going to happen if I show up at a church. Like this image that God's just waiting to condemn me. And no, no, God has already taken the first step to love you. He doesn't want you to perish. He wants you to have eternal life. He wants to forgive your sins. He wants to wash you clean. He wants to, wants to help you to live a life of love where you are part of the transformation of the world, bringing, bringing good. In fact, this is what we as Christians are supposed to be known for. He said it in John chapter 13, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. Now, I know that there are going to be times that as a Christian, you're going to have to say some uncomfortable things to someone. You're going to have to, you know, speak truth into a situation, but you're going to do that there's another verse in the Bible that talks about speaking the truth in love. That's what builds people up, right? You're going to do that in, in the most gracious and loving way you possibly can. Not as somebody who sees all and knows all. And let me tell you the, the, the right thing. Here it is. But you're going, to, you're going to approach those situations humbly. Someone who says, yeah, you know what? I've, I've struggled with this too. Here's what I've found that seems true to me. Here's what I've found that's been helpful to me. Here's how God has been changing my life. I think he can change yours too. We say these things as, as humble people that are just sharing with others what we have found helpful. Because none of us have arrived yet, all right? None of us uh, have perfect understanding of everything, all right? We all have something in our eye that's kind of occluding our vision somewhat. There are still things that we don't know, don't understand. And I love this passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Um, it's often called the love chapter. The Apostle Paul uh, says... Look, if I, I could do all these amazing things, speak in the tongue of men or angels, but if I don't have love, I'm just, I'm just making noise. If I have the gift of prophecy, can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I can understand everything, that, you know, God's entire plan from beginning to end, but if I, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. He's saying love is the most important thing, more important than any of these other things. Good things. But, but if I don't have love, they're, they're worthless. And then he goes to the part that I often read at weddings about how love is patient, love is kind. Think about somebody in your life right now that you, that you might need to go first with. 
You've, maybe you've been judging them. Maybe you've been uh, kind of questioning them in a way that's not been gentle or gracious, right? Think, can I, be, can I love them like this? Can I be patient and kind? It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And he says, all these other things, they, they come and go. Where there are prophecies, they'll cease. Where there are tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. He says, our knowledge is partial, is limited. We do not know everything. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, thought like a child, reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. And mirrors were not that great back then, I'm told. And so other translations see like we see in a glass darkly, dimly. The picture isn't clear. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully no. These, these are verses that I've had to hang on to as a Christian because of, uh, because of my own past and my own uh, failings, right? I didn't think they were failings. I thought I was really smart. And I mean, by the tests and all that, I was really smart. I understood things quickly. I didn't have trouble, you know, grasping concepts in high school and growing up. And, and uh, I somehow, I can't blame my parents for this uh, at all, but somehow I had picked up this nasty habit of thinking I was always right. And uh, thinking I was smarter than my teachers, thinking, you know, always looking for the ways that they made mistakes and, and, and not hesitating to point it out to them or to, to whoever, to, to friends. I was so judgmental of the fellow kids in the youth group. Uh, not a good, now, I wasn't like a total failure. There were good qualities. And my parents can tell you about those, I guess. But, um, but man, this was something that God had to work out of me. I'm so glad that I went to Olivet Nazarene University, had the classes I had, the professors I had, interacted with the other students that I did, um, including non-Christian. There was a friend who was from India who was Muslim and getting to meet her and learn more about her life, friends that were from Christian traditions that I'd never been a part of and getting to see the ways that we disagreed, but we were still reading the same Bible, but we disagreed and it wasn't because they were stupid or, or weren't paying attention. We just disagreed. They were different ways to read that passage and to understand it faithfully and like oh wow I guess I guess we just disagree on this it wasn't all as black and white as I thought it was there were shades of gray there was color in the world and I hadn't recognized it I had to come to grips with the fact that if the apostle Paul <laughs> if if he said his knowledge was limited and that he didn't have the full picture then I know I don't have the full picture I know my knowledge is limited so he closes that out saying, now these three remain. All these other things might pass away, but these three remain. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Jesus doesn't say, my disciples will be known by the fact, you'll, people will know you're my disciples by the fact that you can get up 100% on the theology quiz. Uh, they're not going to know you're my disciples because you get everything right, you've dotted all the T's, dotted all the I's, your behavior is impeccable. He says, now they'll know you're my disciples by the way that you love. By the fact that you're willing to go first and love an enemy. By the fact that you're willing to humbly acknowledge there are things I don't know. And so I'm not going to judge you, you know, because you differ from me, because you disagree with me. 
You might, you might just be on the same journey that I'm on, and I'm just, maybe I'm a few steps ahead of you, or maybe not. Maybe we're in two different places. But, but we need to be humble enough to know that, uh, that we've still got a ways to go. All right. Uh, just again, I, I'm hoping that we can approach this knowing that, that Jesus loves us, cares about us, is willing to teach us. That's why I just included these verses here at the end. Matthew chapter 5, we started this whole thing out. When Jesus saw the crowds, went up on a mountainside, sat down, his disciples came to him, he began to teach them. This is acknowledgement. If I want to be a disciple of Jesus, I've got stuff to learn from him. And over and over, we heard him, we heard Jesus say, you've heard, but I say. You've been taught this, but I am telling you something different. I, I want to teach you something a little bit different. So we need to listen to Jesus. And when he finishes, this Friday or Saturday, when we get to the end of the Sermon on the Mount in that, in that book, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. It's like, this guy knows what he's talking about. They had that sense. Man, he knows. Does it make sense to you that the God who made you might know something about the best way to live? Does it make sense that the God who, who knows us better than we know ourselves might know best how we should approach the people around us? I want to I be humble enough to acknowledge, okay, Jesus, you still have things to teach me. I need to be open to you, changing my heart, changing my life, changing my attitude toward the people around me. I need to be humble enough to acknowledge that I've still got issues I'm dealing with. And so, God, I need your help, and I need the help of others to deal with those so that I can be helpful to the people around me. But I'm going to go first. I'm not going to wait for them to get their act together. I'm not going to wait for them to come to me. I'm, I'm going to go first. I'm going to go to God and say, God, I need your help. I need you to help me to see those things that need to change. I need you to help me to make those changes so that I can be a person that's known by love. I want to, I want to live a life that looks like you, Heavenly Father. A life of love. Let's bow our heads Let's pray before we celebrate communion together. God, thank you for loving us, for going first, not waiting for us to get our act together, but you came to us in Jesus Christ to deal with our sin problem before we even knew we had a problem. We thought we were just fine. But you knew that one day we'd come to a place where we realized we, we're, we're not seeing things as clearly as we thought. And my life is not fine. I need help. And so you took care of that before we even realized it. By sending us the, the perfect like, love in a person, Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, that out of love for us, you gave us your son. Thank you, Jesus, that out of love for us, you were willing to give your life. To die and then to rise again. So the power of sin and death and the devil can be broken in our lives and we can live free, forgiven, so that we can take the love that you have given us and love others. So God, help us today to be honest with you about our need for your help, about the planks in our eyes. Help us not to go around poking people in the eye trying to deal with their stuff before dealing with our own. God, if there are things in my life that need to change, help me to see it. Help me to be humble enough to receive that, that conviction, that input, that, that view of myself that more accurately lines up with who I am so that I can repent of sin 
so you can forgive me, so I can walk a new path with the help of my brothers and sisters around me, trusting and following you. Thank you, God. We are so grateful for the love you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. We're grateful that we have this sacrament where we get to celebrate that love. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, and we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. We offer you ourselves and pray that by your Spirit's ongoing, transforming work, that we might be changed, that we might live in this world as the body of Christ, that we might humbly acknowledge the progress we still need to make, even as we reach out to others with love inviting them to join us on the journey. Thank you, God. Thank you for this love. Thank you for this grace. We all need it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I think Pete and Amanda are going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. And then, uh, and then after communion, I think, can I, can I have you read that, that psalm after, after communion, after we're done with this? Yeah. All right, thanks. Diane was wanting to read Psalm 23 for us. And I was going to have you read it earlier, and then I forgot. I'm sorry, Diane. So while we sing this song, we're going to celebrate communion. I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And uh, as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread, dip in the juice and eat it, and return to your seats. We've got the regular bread and the gluten-free and the, and the little, the little uh, separate little containers, if you'd like one of those. If you don't want to come forward, if you don't feel comfortable getting that close, you've got them there at your tables. You can celebrate there where you peel it back and get to the bread and peel it back and get to the juice. And we'll all celebrate uh, as we sing together today. Let's do that. It's open to all of us saying yes to Jesus today. Everyone is welcome at Christ's table.
are worthy of all the praise, all the worship, everything we could offer to you. You deserve it all, Lord God. We are so grateful that you held nothing back but gave your all for us. Fill us today with the spirit of Christ that we might live in this world as, as your kids, as the body of Christ, as people who carry your grace and your love to those you send us to. Thank you, God. We are so grateful pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, before concluding blessing, come on up here, Diane. Diane had an interesting experience just this last, this last week, I think. Was it the week yeah. before? I'm trying to remember now. She, yeah, she had had a, she was scared and uh, um, actually my mom ended up, she on, was on the phone with my mom. My mom read Psalm 23 with her, helped her to get over her fear and to, to be able to, to tackle what she was afraid of. So she wanted to read Psalm 23 for us today. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He needed anything. He, mar he takes me to the green fields so I can lie down and he brings me quiet water. He marks, makes me strong again. He leaded me in the way that is right because of who he is. Sometimes I am in danger. I am like a sheep in a valley, fall of shadows. I may be danger. But I will not be afraid because you are with me. You make me feel safe.
will be with me all my life. I know I will live with God forever. Amen. Thank you, Diane. Thank you so much. May you know the presence of the Good Shepherd leading you this week. Amen.